to Diverse Voices, a new Central Michigan Life podcast hosted by me, Mia Sikma. Our goal for Diverse Voices is to bring listeners a sound similar to their own and attention to world issues affecting Mount Pleasant and CMU. With me today, I have Gabby Hugo, current Vice President of the Central Michigan University's Organization for Asian Leaders. The Organization for Asian Leaders at CMU has taken the lead organizing our Asian Pacific American Heritage Month events. So thanks again, Gabby, for being here, and please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, hello, all. Thank you, Mia, for enjo- like inviting me to speak on this podcast. Um, like she said, my name is Gabby Hugo, and the pronouns I use are she, her, and hers. Um, I'm a sophomore in mechanical engineering, and I'm the current vice president and co-founder of the Organization of Asian Leaders. That's so cool. Thank you for being here once again. And so I did not know that you were one of our co-founders for our organization. That's really yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so last year, our other co-founder, Jake and I, we had known each other um, through mutual friends, but we kind of knew that we were only, like pretty much the only Asian people that a lot of our friends knew. So we kind of built a friendship over that. And we were a bit frustrated because there was no, uh, nowhere for us to really go to celebrate our culture, our heritage. Um, there's a very small population of Asian students on this campus. So we figured um, if anybody's gonna make the space for ourselves and our other fellow Asian students and our allies, then it may as well be us. Yeah, that's a great motivation. <laughs> so was that your main reasoning, was wanting to create a space for yourself? Uh, yeah, definitely lacking kind of a space where we can exchange um, feelings and ideas and um, connections with people that look like us and share that kind of cultural um, that cultural background is pretty difficult in especially college setting where people are so vulnerable and not having that kind of support system is very difficult. And we knew that there was no way that there we were the only two people experiencing this. So um, we we're like, you know what? Let's let's start it, let's make it. If it doesn't work, then whatever. But if it does help at least just a couple other students, then we consider that definitely a success. I think I think you're at a success too. I mean, you guys are organizing a whole month of events. Like that's crazy that you've been able to take this on. And this is gonna be like your second year of being an organization as a whole. So, I mean, in that kind of sense, how do you, how do you feel about you guys now? You know, last year was kind of your first year of creation. This is your second and you've taken on a lot. How do you feel about the success of the club and well, the success of the organization and how, how you guys have grown? Like, do you feel like an important part of CMU? Um, I would say that we did take on a really big responsibility with um, planning most of the events that happened during Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Um, it was pretty much like all of our eboard members were in charge of planning an entire event where we expected, um, we've had attendance for these events go anywhere from 40 to 70 people to over 100 people. So um, it is a lot to handle and it does get very overwhelming, but we've noticed that in seeing people come to these events and people coming to our meetings now, it's so rewarding in that we basically made that happen. We gave those people what they had been seeking, even if, even like, if they weren't necessarily um, intending to, 
come into the space that they did that we've created. Um, it's just been such a heartwarming feeling to know that we weren't the only people. And now we have this space and this organization where we can continue to grow and um, further those connections with each other. I love that. And I love how like smiley and how much you glow when you talk about it. I think that's always <laughs> a great indication of how much somebody loves what they do is like how excited they get when they talk about it. I love that. So what, tell me more about what you guys are specifically focusing on this semester when it comes to Asian American specific heritage Islander, Asian American Pacific Islander heritage month. Geez, that can be a ton of twister. Is there like <laughs> something you guys specifically wanted to focus on or are there different things that you wanted to make sure you highlighted? So within um, OAL, the Organization of Asian Leaders, we're so focused on not only educating ourselves and others and our allies about Asian um, Pacific American heritage, but also um, celebrating it. Because as people of color, that's something that we find very difficult. We always find ourselves having to educate others, having to educate those who don't know anything about our cultures or whatnot. So we want to kind of flip that and make it a goal for us to always celebrate where we come from. We do have our very educational meetings and we do have our events throughout the month that were focused on education, but we also had fun events. Like I organized a karaoke event that was super fun. You know, I got to speak about the origins of karaoke and its relationship to the Asian culture, but also just spend, you know, a couple of hours just having fun with everybody else doing like this fun activity that we know is connected to our culture and is now enjoyed by people around the world. So um, that is something that we're all really focused on, but we're also really focused on that professional development aspect because we are, you know, named the Organization of Asian Leaders. So we wanna promote leadership within the Asian community so that our people are more fit for um, the professional world and we can hold more leadership roles and, really get to where we want to be in our careers without having that kind of um, glass wall of looking into, you know, leadership and most of these companies and our country and government, it's white leadership, but we also want to be a part of that. So um, by starting at, you know, these young ages where everybody's learning, um, we find that people find it very rewarding and empowering to have that space where they are taught these skills and also encouraged to use the skills that they have already. I love that. I love all of that. I think I love talking to groups like yours and organizations like yours because you always echo how I feel about diverse voices where it is about celebrating and it is also, it is not the job of these people to teach you about their culture. It is your job to figure it out yourself. You know, education, is important and it's great to get it firsthand, but that is not their purpose. And that is not why they are there. They are there to celebrate their culture and you guys are doing that. And I love that so much. So April, as we talked about, is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. For listeners who aren't aware, it's officially the national month, <laughs> not just central, we, we all celebrate it. Um, so Gabby, what is an Asian American, what is Asian American Pacific Islander month for and like why why are we celebrating it who who is who is this month for um so like I said it's all about celebrating culture and also educating ourselves and one thing that we really like to focus on 
with our space that we've created is that it is for Asians and allies. You know, just because you're not of specific Asian descent doesn't mean that you can't help celebrate our cultures. You may not have that, you know, physical genealogical tie to it, but if you still resonate with certain parts of our culture, whether you're adopted or whether you're adopted by Asians or, you know, you're mixed or whatever, we want to be as inclusive as possible. So we really push that narrative of this is for Asians and allies. And so this entire month is focused on taking what Asian culture is, what it means to us Asian people and our allies and, you know, celebrating. It's all about celebration and, you know, learning about things is also a celebration because in Asian culture, it's very important. Education is very important. So um, kind of taking those ideals that we have in our culture and sharing them with everybody else throughout this month and really taking this month to highlight um, the struggles that we've been through or the things that we've created or, um, you know, just basic things about even our relationship with America that we love. Like recently we held the basketball tournament and Asians aren't necessarily known for being the best at basketball, but that's just something that we enjoy. And having this spotlight for this month is awesome. And we enjoy it so much, but it's also a reminder that, you know, this is only one month, 30 days, and there are 365 days of the year, it's important to always be respectful, mindful, and celebrate Asian culture, um, not just throughout this month. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of one of my favorite things that happens during another month we celebrated on Diverse Voices, Black History Month is, every month is Black History Month. Every month is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Every month is a celebration. And I, I love that you highlighted that. And before we keep going, I do want to clarify for some of our listeners, because not everybody's sure. So the term Pacific Islander also fits in with our Heritage Month because Pacific Islander refers to those whose origins are of the original peoples of Polynesia, Micronesia, and Malaysia. So Polynesia includes those who identify as Native Hawaiians who, just like Asian Americans, have a pretty intense history in the United States who definitely deserve that celebration period. <laughs> Alrighty. So now that we've talked a little bit about what this month is and how we celebrate it and who it's for, let's talk about, you mentioned those struggles that you guys are, you guys experience as Asian American students. I mean, what, like in 2020, we had such an uptick in Asian American hate. And I think a lot of people consider that stuff has kind of gone away. And I think that's part of the great thing about having an organization like yours is that people can still find someone, they, they can find a support, they can find a group of people who aren't gonna tell them that it's not a problem anymore. So if you don't mind, if we could talk about some of those struggles. Yeah, so um, a lot of the things that I stand for and kind of um, the diversity work that I do is, of course the COVID-19 pandemic has taken Asian individuals and put them into this very vulgar spotlight where it's always about um, the pandemic started in Asia. Like that is the reason for all the issues in this country. That is the sole reason why the economy is plummeting and whatnot. And it Which is, is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's such a being targeted in that way for something that is not true. And 
being put having the blame for all of the world's problems onto your race and seeing your people being beaten in the grocery stores, spat on, just having racist slurs, you know, thrown at them and being mistreated. It's an experience that you will never know unless you actually go through it. And so I think even as people of color as a whole, we really appreciate kind of the efforts that we've had from everybody that stands with us, you know, our allies, but it is still something that has been swept under the rug. You know, nobody really cares about having that, um, showing that they actually care about things. It's all performative activism is what it really comes down to. And it is almost as hurtful knowing that caring about our culture and our, our people was essentially a trend. You know, that's utter bullshit that taking an entire group of people taking what they had to deal with and making it a trend and trends are meant to die, that's absolutely hurtful and not okay whatsoever. So um, we actually had one of our members um, focus on the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has affected Asian students' mental health. And she took it and made it on the Capstone Project. And she's done research with um, a lot of our members um, basically trying to tackle the actual repercussions that Asian people and specifically Asian students have had from this COVID-19 blame. Um, and we have all collectively found that no matter what, it has affected us. You know, if it affected you directly or through your um, family members or your friends or just people that you know or seeing that your own, the people of your race being hurt, it has all affected us. And so that's one thing that I really stand on. And another thing is, um, and this is more kind of a personal thing, but the hypersexualization of Asian women. Um, Asian women face a lot of fetishization in the media, specifically the adult film industry. And it is absolutely hurtful, especially to young Asian women to be portrayed in that way. And for just to even think of other people looking at Asian girls and um, other Asian female identifying individuals in that way, way is absolutely disgusting and when you're growing up and trying to figure things out and learning this relationship with your body having that con um, concept pretty much over your head through comments and microaggressions and things like that it seriously affects how you view yourself how you view your body um, how you view your sexuality and things like that it is seriously harmful to um, these young women and other female identifying individuals. So um, that's something that I personally work against um, through conversations as much as I can and um, being able to speak up about it as much as I can because it's not the easiest topic to talk about. And it's not exactly a topic that a lot of people want to think about, but it is something that affects a lot of the young people. Um, like I said, our female identifying counterparts that. Um, nobody really cares about and I think that is something that everybody should really deeply care about. I think I, I agree with you and I love that you have such an interest in this. What immediately makes me think of is this interesting dynamic that I think <clears throat> non-people of color have is that they think that they can have it both ways especially when it comes to women of color including Asian women of color specifically where they're exotic and they are, you know, all of these things, but they're also 
people who are apparently spreading COVID-19 and are the cause for this mass global pandemic. You can't have it both ways. You can't, you know, I, it just baffles me that way that non-people of color have made Asian Americans, Asian people in general, Pacific Islanders, such a scapegoat for so many things. And especially during the 2020s, as we're seeing kind of a trend, it just, it baffles me. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I love, and I love that you brought up the sexualization of um, Asian women, because I think that also fits into, as you're talking about performative activism with um, the active, the activity of Asian fishing online and something that we always come back to on this podcast, which I wish we didn't have to, but we do, is that their culture is not your costume. Their culture is not your trend. And I'm glad that you used that word. And I'm glad that you mentioned that trends are meant to die. And these things have so much cultural significance. These outfits can have cultural significance. Even the songs, even, you know, what you're eating and drinking has cultural significance. It's not something that you're doing for fun and if you're doing it for fun you should do it for educational fun you know I yeah I just agree with you 100% I think that we as a country have shifted the way that we maybe not shifted made it more obvious (laughs) the way that we not only treat Asian Americans but the way that we use them for situations which isn't appropriate yeah 100 percent. i feel like people i feel like all asian americans have this very unique experience where um people that aren't asian really pick and choose what they want them for whether it's they want to put the covid 19 pandemic on they want to put blame on someone oh asian americans or they want to say that um this new trend of um makeup with the fox eye trends you know that's accredited to asian people they're so beautiful and like i said trends are meant to die and so eye shape being a trend is absolutely unbelievable like that is something that we have been made fun of for years especially myself growing up um and then for people to suddenly decide that it's cool and trendy it's like you're taking parts of me and you're choosing what you want to fill your narrative or what you want to make yourself feel good about yourself. Um, it's really, it's just such a slap in the face to see that people really don't care. You know, people put this blame about COVID-19 on, you know, a specific race and then say, oh my gosh, but I love their music or, oh my gosh, I love anime and then do absolutely nothing to help those people who actually have k-pop and anime or you know the certain style of dress that is their actual life that is what their culture is created and then you do nothing for them and suddenly you don't care about them so it's just such a matter of kind of picking and choosing what parts and every you know person of color really deals with this you know people want to pick and choose what parts of your culture that they want to resonate with and they want to celebrate but then when it comes down to what you actually need you know nobody's there I think people really enjoy the idea of, I mean, I, I love bubble tea and I love boba, but, um, I don't know about you. I love boba. I wish I could have a boba podcast, but I can't. That's my next project. But (laughs) I think a lot of people, you know, 
as you said, they pick and choose, they benefit from, you know, they love Asian food. We love Asian culture and the way that we pick and choose it. People don't not only do I think they don't care, as you said, but I think a lot of people don't understand how harmful it is and how, as you said, how damaging it is and how hard it is. I mean, I, I have no experience and I'm very privileged to say that I, I can't imagine growing up in a situation where people get to pick and choose what parts of me they're okay with. I, I can't imagine how that is for you. And I'm very sorry that you have to go through that and that I'm sure you still experience it today because I, I, I could just, I could not, I don't, I can't even fathom. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Well, thank you for acknowledging your privilege. Um, and I think using that, acknowledging your privilege and using your voice to speak out and uplift, you know, other people of color, like myself, like it is so, you know, it's very appreciative, you know, but um, back to what you said about Hawaii and I have like a personal connection because a lot of people don't know this because a lot of Asian history is completely erased from history books. Um, but I'm Filipino, my parents are from the Philippines. And what a lot of people don't know about Hawaii is that Americans brought over Filipinos to enslave them and have them work on, you know, those, those pineapple farms. So um, knowing that people now view Hawaii as this place to go vacation and, um, you know, party, whatnot, but knowing that my ancestors were brought there, you know, not by choice to do this intense hard labor and be exploited and nobody knows about it. And they just think that Hawaii is, you know, this beautiful place. Um, you know, it is just such a slap in the face. Um, just thinking about that, you know, mm -hmm. like, because, you know, some people don't necessarily include Hawaii and that Pacific Island um, kind of umbrella, but, you know, there are Filipinos and there are Malaysians that were brought over there. Those are Asians. And those are people that have been completely forgotten in history and um, in these conversations about Asian culture um, and Pacific Islander culture. Um, so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think, and I want you to, I want you to tell me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't know, but I have really appreciated the way that, and we have, we have many steps to take and much to improve from. I've appreciated the way that I think Asian culture has made, it's starting to make more of an imprint on not modern, not modern culture, because we're still not, we're still not approaching it correctly. But I think, you know, Hollywood in general, I mean, there's, there's still so many issues, especially with Hollywood, which is a whole nother episode. But, um, you know, recently with Turning Red and Parasite winning an Oscar and um, Shang-Chi, which I know that we're screening at CMU for Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and um, even the Crazy Rich Asian franchise, which is amazing. I, I think we're on our way, but we're not there yet. But please tell me if I'm wrong or your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think the, there are two issues that I have with Asian portrayal in Hollywood. It's one, that it's not actually as diverse as people think. 
and two, how Asian people are actually portrayed. Um, with Crazy Rich Asians, it was a very amazing movie, and I think the cinematics is amazing, but that only represents a very, very small part of Asian culture and the experience of being Asian. Mm -hmm. And for people to think that that is the all-encompassing experience of being Asian, it's just like completely not true. And um, I mean, it's called Crazy know. Rich Asians. I hope people yeah. want <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And like, like I said, with the adult film industry, you know, that's part of Hollywood too, that, you know, people don't necessarily think of in the portrayal of Asian women and female identifying individuals and in that it's like not accurate at all. And mm -hmm as an Asian person, we see ourselves being used as, you know, such a token character, such a token Asian character. You know, you have your um, classic, like, smart Asian or funny Asian. You know, there will never, there's not really much of, like, the creative Asian or the Asian that is interested in English and reading. You know, we don't get that because that's not what people see from us. They choose to have these very hyper-specific narratives of us, and that's what they choose to go along with their day with. They think, um, oh, they're Asian, so they know this. They're Asian, so they can do this. They're Asian, so they're good at this. And I feel like they just don't realize that there are so many different types of Asian people, and there's so many different aspects of Asian culture that it is so diverse, and Asian people are normal people, you know? Right. Just because we fall under this blanket term of race and being Asian or being Pacific Islander you know we're still normal people we still go about our days like everybody else does we go to school we work blue collar jobs you know we do everything else that everybody else does but they specifically choose to ignore that and they specifically choose to keep these narratives in their heads because that's what they're comfortable comfortable with and that is what they have the most power over. They have the most power over agents that, um, you know, only own convenience stores or only own restaurants. Mm -hmm. They have the most power over those people. And of course, why would they want to change that? Or um, just like the whole power dynamic with agents being used against other people of color too, um, in saying that we are the model minority. And since we were successful in America, everybody could be successful in America, which is also clouded by the fact that we are erased from history in that, you know, Asian people were specifically brought over to America by white people to be used as a model minority against Black, Latinos, and other Indigenous peoples, and to say that if Asians can do it, then you all should be able to do it. Um, and so I think that is what makes the experience of being Asian American so unique in a sense. Mm -hmm. And for listeners who aren't aware, because this is a learning podcast, um, the model minority myth is a stereotype that is based in the idea that Asian Americans are inherently more successful, hardworking, better paid, and more intelligent sometimes than the average other average other person of color, sometimes a white American. While it might sound like a compliment, it's not only sets impossible standards like Gabby was talking about, but it can negatively affect individuals because they don't fit within this quota and they don't fit within the idea of what people think that an Asian American looks like. Am I right there, Gabby? Oh, 100%. And the only thing that I would say that a definition misses is that we are used as weapons. We are used as weapons against people of color. And, you know, to work with such a diverse 
set of people like I do every day, um, people of many different backgrounds and races. And then also be grouped in that POC community, but also know that we were pretty much only allowed to come here to be used as weapons and education and the workforce. Um, it's such it's such an uncomfortable feeling, really. You know, I don't like to think that because I've been, you know, I myself and I can assure you that most Asian students in college have been probably told or led to think that they only got into this college because they're Asian, because they, you know, college admissions just fill a quota. And for some cases that may be true, or maybe I am just absolutely completely brainwashed. It's also, you know, we fill out the same applications, we do the same work, we take the same tests, we do, we fit the same criteria as everybody else um, in these colleges have, yet all of that has been discredited because people will say you got in because you're Asian or you got in because of your migration status. Um, that in itself is so interesting to me because a lot of Asians that come over to America can also tell you that their college degrees aren't recognized in America. Um, my parents are both college educated. My dad has a master's degree and yet in America I'm considered a first-generation college student because they didn't get their education in America. Um, that is so, it's such a double standard because people want us to be these crazy geniuses that make all of this money and take all the jobs. And yet they don't wanna acknowledge when um, we have the education or we have the experience. Um, so I think that that is one of the most hurtful things about the model minority standard. You know, it's not, it's not easy coming to America at all. It's, you know, for anybody coming to America, it's not easy, but for the Asian American experience, we are taken, picked and chosen based on how we can benefit the Americans that are here. Americans are so, how do I say it in a very respectful way? They are it doesn't so, respectful. it's all right. <laughs> They are so consumed in the idea that America is the best. If it's not American, it's wrong. It, white is right. If not, it's wrong. They're so consumed in that idea that they are afraid of being proven wrong. And mm -hmm. these Asian individuals and other immigrants are coming here to prove them wrong and to do better than them. And that is a threat to them. When in reality, I think it should be more of a partnership. We should encourage cooperation and collaboration rather than this hierarchy of who's better, whose education is better, blah, blah, blah. Because, I mean, if you look at the numbers, we see that there is no intellectual superior race. You know, it's, it's really just where you grew up, how you grew up, the education that you got. Um, that is what maybe sets you apart. But bottom line is, like I said earlier, Asians are completely normal people and you know to be put on that pedestal of whether it's the COVID-19 pandemic or the adult film industry or um, education to be put on a pedestal of whether or not you're better or you're worse um, is seriously seriously damaging to what people want to call diversity in this country. And I think that even the idea of education it goes right back into the idea of being able to pick and choose what parts of a culture you accept and what parts 
you don't, I mean, with the model minority myth, part of that is that Asian people are overtly intelligent and, you know, are forced into intense education programs and therefore really smart. But for some reason, we can't accept a college degree from another country. You know, it's, it goes, it goes right back into that, you know, and I think that that in general is a big issue, as we talked about earlier, that's just a big issue that unfortunately all people of color in the United States face, even I think native people of color who have been here forever and have probably gone to the same, through the same education systems as those who are white, just like all other people of color and are still you know, discredited and their culture is still picked at and chosen by what is nice and what is not, even though that is not what a culture is, you know. I mean, I, I feel like you keep coming back to the phrase, it's a slap in the face. <laughs> and yeah. it is a slap in the face. You know, I I just I don't know that I feel like there is only so many times where I myself can get slapped in the face before I am going to start fighting back. And I'm not sure if I'm going to word this question 100% right, but do you feel like by creating the organization of Asian leaders, do you think that that was one of your steps towards fighting back from these slaps? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it is as much as I would love for this space to be solely about celebrating culture, um, that is unfortunately not going to be a reality for myself or other members of OAL. Um, so I think OAL has definitely served its purpose in celebrating Asian culture through organizing events during APM, but it has also allowed me to have a platform to speak on, um, you know, through this conversation now or through um, conversations throughout the POC community here on campus. It's putting a, uh, it's helping put faces to names to races to where people will now care, you know, if people hear me talk about the things that I go through and they care about me, now they'll care about my race and they'll be more inclined to help do something about it. Um, and I think something that a lot of people really forget is that racism isn't, you know, only a Black, Indigenous, Latinx, Asian experience. It's not necessarily a super individual experience in the way that some experience it worse or better, or, you know, I think we all experience it differently and our experiences can't be generalized. Um, but ultimately it's just a fight against the narratives that white people in America have put against us. Um, I think that we can't, we don't wanna sit here and fight about who's faced the most adversity or who has experienced most violence when we should ultimately really be coming together and working together and uplifting each other's voices so that we can create this very strong presence in society that racist and white people are afraid of. And um, they will ultimately, they will, and I won't say that maybe someday they'll come to terms, they will come to terms with um, the fact that we should all be treated equal. They will come to terms with that because we will show them that all of us um, people of color and other, you know, our allies, we will show them that. Um, so I think starting OAL, making these connections and speaking on these platforms that I have, um, in my eyes, has definitely 
helped me work against these narratives that I claim to work against. But um, of course, there's always so much more work to do in the future. Mm. Well, you have you have lots of time to do it and you're not alone. I you said you're a sophomore, so I am a junior, um, but I am a second year student in college. And I remember freshman year, we did not have the organization of Asian leaders originally. And the beginning of your and my first year of college was the same year, 2020. Um, going back to the beginning of 2020, where hate crimes in the United States against Asian Americans were at an all-time high, and it was really, really scary. And just hearing about your organization in general made me so happy. You know, it made me so happy that you not only felt like you could create a place, but that other people now had a place too. And I mean, I, I don't know what it's like for you and your members, but I hope that you all feel like you have like a place, a place to be, a place to have people listen, a platform to stand on. And I'm, I'm really glad for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, no one was going to do it for us. So we had to do it for ourselves. And I think knowing that our origins in this organization is just so young, um, really makes me excited to see what it could be in the future. Um, because we have, we're working on these means of um, creating an alumni network so that, you know, when I graduate and when Jake graduates and all of our other members graduate, you know, our members still know that there are people that struggle to start it and start struggle to keep it going. And hopefully that serves as motivation for them to reach out to us if ever they need anything and to also continue and to grow because, you know, if we don't stand together, how are we going to be taken seriously? You know, mm -hmm. if we are set to fight against each other for who experiences it worse, who has it best, then how will we ever be taken seriously in the society? And so I think focusing on uplifting each other and um, the younger generation, the older generation, and our allies, because we appreciate our allies, um, that is, allyship is an important part of, you know, fighting adversity, but um, kind of like keeping all this momentum going is just so vital to really actually making a tangible difference, making a quantitative and qualitative difference um, in our societies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I did hear you mention the future. Is there anything anything coming up that we should know about anything maybe excited maybe next year are we planning anything yeah so of course the organization of asian leaders is always up to something we have meetings on thursdays at 7 p.m in the education and health sciences building in room 224 um, where we hang out have conversations have difficult conversations have conversations where we celebrate each other and share our cultures um, conversations with our allies. Um, we also hang out, of course, because, you know, that's like what friends do. But um, we do things like that. And we also have more events going around throughout the rest of APAM, um, which can be found on the Mass Office's Instagram. And as for the future, we don't know yet exactly what is in store for us, but we hope that it is along the lines of growing collaborating, connecting, and developing because we want to develop leadership skills, professional skills, and social skills in our members. And hopefully, you know, in the future, 
people can say that that is what our organization has given them. You want to create more Asian leaders. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Well, it looks like we are close to being out of time for today. Do you have any last minute messages, anything you want to make sure our listeners know before we head out? Well, first, I want to say thank you so much for giving me this platform to speak on. Um, I feel like I've made it pretty clear that I'm always happy to speak on any platform that I'm Definitely come back anytime. (laughs) I'm so appreciative of that. I would love to talk more um, to yourself and anybody that is interested in having these conversations or seeking a space for themselves if they are Asian or allies. Um, Or even, you know, I talked a lot about how women are treated if any um, female identifying individuals need any resources or want to talk. I'm always open. Um, if you want to follow OAL on Instagram, our Instagram is at OALCMU. And my name is Gabby Hugo. You can find me pretty much anywhere just by searching that. Um, but again, thank you so much. And I really appreciate um, being invited to speak on diverse sources. Yeah, of course. I'm so, I've talked about it a million times that I, I just, before we even started recording, that I, I wanted to do a podcast specifically for for you guys for a long time. Um, kind of like a fan. <laughs> but um, and I'm just so glad that we finally got to do it. Um, but yeah, definitely. And I will make sure to plug OAL in our description for the episode. So listeners who want to follow them and get involved, go find that on Instagram. But um, yeah, it looks like that's all the time we've got for today. Once again, folks, I'm Mia Sigma. This was Diverse Voices. I talked with Gabby Hugo about the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, what that means, what a lot of Asian Americans are facing today. We went over a large group of topics. Please check out the episode. And once again, I'm Mia Sigma, and this has been Diverse Voices.